This Christmas season, David Jeremiah and Turning Point Productions present Why the Nativity, a docudrama film that will take you on a thought-provoking journey surrounding the most pivotal moment in human history, the birth of Jesus Christ. Experience the sights and sounds of that first Christmas as Dr. Jeremiah provides a fascinating presentation of biblical history paired with dramatic reenactments. Watch Why the Nativity completely free and find it everywhere it is available by going to whythenativity.org. That's whythenativity.org. With Christmas so close, the excitement is practically at a fever pitch. But try to imagine, what if there was no Christmas? What if Christ had never been born? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explores the bleak despair of life in a Christless world, as well as the joy you can embrace through the reality of Christ's birth. Listen as David introduces his message, Why There Must Be Christmas. And I want to thank you for joining us today. We're in a series called Why the Nativity as we prepare our hearts for uh, the weekend and the celebration of our Lord's birthday. We've had such a delight um, sharing these truths with you, these things about Christmas that maybe aren't as well known as others, answering the questions about Christmas that people um, ask. And um, today we're going to talk about why there must be Christmas, why Christmas is so important now. I was just on an interview with some friends, and we were talking about how important it is for us to share the light of Christmas because we're in a dark season. Not just a dark season from the standpoint of the weather around us uh, because it gets darker earlier, but we're in a dark season uh, sociologically, theologically, uh, historically. Everywhere you look, it seems like there's some kind of bad news. But there's good news, and the good news shines the brightest against the backdrop of the bad news. I'm so excited that um, we can share this good news with you, the good news of the coming of Christ. And today, we're going to talk about this question, why there must be Christmas. Some other things to tell you about when we return, but right now, let's get into our message. During the Christmas season, you kind of look back and you reflect, and one of the things I've often done is give thanks to the Lord for the people that he's put in my life that made a difference. One is a lady who was in the church my father pastored in Toledo, Ohio. She was a school teacher, and she and her husband were good friends of my parents. And for reasons I have never understood, she took a great interest in me. And she wanted to get me interested in the Bible, and one day she gave me a copy of maybe the first paraphrase of the Scripture that I was aware of that I even know today. It was prepared by a man by the name of J.B. Phillips, And it was called the Phillips Paraphrase of the New Testament. I still have it, a little blue book, kind of worn around the edges. And it made the New Testament come alive for me in ways that I could not possibly have imagined. Since then, of course, there have been many paraphrases. In my estimation, J.B. Phillips still stands sort of at the top of the list for the New Testament paraphrase. He was more than just a paraphraser of the New Testament he was a brilliant theologian, an incredible writer, a leader in theological circles. One year in preparation for Christmas, he wrote a Christmas fantasy. And I think if you will stay with me, I'm just going to read these couple of paragraphs from the fantasy. You'll understand why it is so important as we begin Christmas together to know and understand what this is really all about. Here's J.B. Phillips' Christmas fantasy. 
A senior angel is showing a very young angel around the splendors of the universe. They view the whirling galaxies and the blazing suns, and then they flit across the infinite distances of space until at last they enter one particular galaxy of, well, 500 billion stars. As the two of them draw near to the star which we call our sun and to its circling planets, the senior angel points to a small and rather insignificant sphere turning very slowly on its axis. It looked like a dull, dirty tennis ball to the little angel whose mind was filled with the size and glory of everything he had just seen. I want you to watch that one particularly, said the senior angel, pointing his finger. Well, it looks kind of small and dirty to me, said the little angel. What's special about it? The little angel listened in stunned disbelief as the senior angel told him that this particular small and insignificant planet, not overly clean, was the renowned visited planet. Do you mean, said the little angel, that our great and glorious prince went down in person to this fifth-rate little ball? Why would he do such a thing? Do you mean to tell me, he said, that he stooped so low as to become one of those creeping, crawling creatures on that floating ball? I do, and I don't think he would like you to call them creeping, crawling creatures in that tone of voice. It's very strange, but he loves them. And he went down to visit them, to lift them up, to become like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond comprehension. And when you stop to think about it, it is beyond our comprehension as well. Jesus came from his home in heaven, and for a few years he made his home on this earth. We are the visited planet, and we are the visited people. He came to become like us so that we could ultimately go to heaven and become like him. So much depended on his coming. So much would have been lost had he not come. Friends, I hope you know that Christmas is not an option. It's not just another holiday to celebrate. One of the many ways for us to find meaning in this season is to contemplate what the world and what our own personal lives would be like if there were no Christmas. What if Christ had not been born? What would our world be like if no angel had appeared to a Jewish maiden with the news that she was chosen to be the Messiah's mother? What would the world be like if no angels appeared to the shepherds on the hillside outside of Bethlehem, telling them that a Savior was born? What if there were no Bethlehem Inn where the weary couple lodged for the night of the baby's birth? What if there never were any wise men? What if there never was a miraculous child born to a couple named Joseph and Mary? What if Jesus had never come? When we contemplate the implications of such a terrible thought, we begin to understand Christmas as it was meant to be understood. First of all, if there is no Christmas, this book is worthless. Here are just a few of the prophecies that are in this book concerning the coming of Jesus Christ, that he would be born of a virgin, that he would have his name called Emmanuel, that his birth would take place in Bethlehem, that he would be visited by the Magi and presented with gifts, and that because of his birth, 
there would be a huge massacre of infants. These are just four or five of the prophecies that are in this book about the coming of Jesus Christ at what we call Christmas. Did you know that in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there are 366 prophecies about Jesus Christ? They're about his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his second coming. And there are about 40 or 50 of those prophecies that have to do with Christmas. Men like Isaiah and Micah and Jeremiah prophesied that a child would be born of the nature of the birth of Jesus Christ. They gave intimate details about his birth. And if those things had not come true, this book would have been rendered useless. For how can you believe a book that is only half true if it supports itself to be the inspired word of God? Do you know those prophecies concerning the birth of Jesus were made 700 years before his birth? And you say, well, why would that render the Bible useless? Well, the Bible claims to be inspired. It claims to be authoritative. It claims to be inerrant. Years ago, there were a group of theologians who would write and say things like, well, we believe the Bible is inspired, but not all of it. Some parts of it are inspired and some parts of it are not. And I used to wonder who was inspired to tell us what was inspired and what wasn't inspired, you know? (laughs) If you only have a partially inspired Bible, there's not a whole lot of help to that because you never know which part is and which part isn't. The Bible claims to be totally inspired from Genesis to Revelation. So if the prophecies concerning Jesus Christ were not fulfilled as the Bible says they would be, the Bible loses its integrity. The fact is that all of them have been faithfully fulfilled to the minutest detail. The odds that just eight of these 50 prophecies concerning the birth of Jesus, that just eight could be fulfilled after a 700-year passage of time, is one chance in 100 million million, or more than the number of all the people who have ever lived on this planet from the beginning of humanity. The odds alone say it would be impossible for anyone to fulfill these Old Testament prophecies. But Jesus pulled it off. He came. He fulfilled every one. You can check it out for yourself. You can go back and read the prophecies from Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, and others. Then you can go and read the history, not even just the biblical history, but the secular history, and you can discover that what they said would happen, happened. And you know, some of the things they talked about, for instance, Bethlehem wasn't even in existence. Some of the things they prophesied were so unlikely because nobody had ever heard of them before. But then Jesus came, and you go back and you read these prophecies. And did you know that that's why the skeptics, they like to late date the Bible? Do you know what that means? They like to say, no, this wasn't prophecy, this was history. They tried to tell you it's prophecy, but it was written after the fact. No intelligent person would ever believe that. So you take that for what it's worth. Without Christmas, the Bible's meaningless. If Jesus didn't come, we don't have a Bible. We just have an interesting book. Number two, if there's no Christmas then we wouldn't know God. When Jesus became a man, he showed us what God was like. He showed us that God was not merely a principle, a spirit, if you will, but a person. 
Jesus was not an idea of God. He wasn't a picture of God. But Jesus was God himself in human form. If Jesus had not come to this earth, we could not have a correct understanding of God. We could not know what God is like if he had not sent us his own son to reveal himself to us. One day, Jesus and Philip were having a conversation. And Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and it will be sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus wasn't just an idea about God or a person sent here from heaven to tell us about God. Jesus was God in the flesh. When he was born in Bethlehem, he did not begin there. He had existed throughout eternity. But for a short period of time, he deigned to come to this world and this earth and become like us to show us in terms we could understand who God was and what he was like. There was an early church father who told of a village that had a huge statue that was so big you couldn't see what it really was all about and you didn't know who it was supposed to represent. Finally, someone miniaturized the statue so the people could see the person that it honored. That's what God did in Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas means. Paul tells us that Christ is the self-miniaturization of God. The visible image of the invisible God is the scripture's way of saying it. In Christ, we have God in a comprehensible way. In Christ, we have God's own personal definite visit to this planet. In Christ, we have God in a body so that we can understand who God is. Matthew says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Say that with me. God with us. I think the Apostle John explains it best when he writes these words in the prologue of the fourth gospel. If you read this passage, you will notice that in your translation of the Bible, the word, word, is capitalized because the word, word, in that text is a reference to Jesus. So I'll just put Jesus' name in there so you will really truly understand what this passage says. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want you to zero in on that little phrase in this passage that says, and Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus became flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. When John uses the word dwelt, he describes Jesus' sojourn on this earth. He uses a word that means to live in a tent. That's what the word means. Or as theologians say, to tabernacle. Jesus tabernacled with us. Eugene Peterson paraphrases the verse this way. I love this. He said, and Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. <laughs> he came down here to be among us, to be with us, so that we could know who God was. It was early July 2020. 
Mary Daniel had not seen her husband for 114 days due to coronavirus restrictions at the senior care facility where he lives. Her husband, Steve, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's seven years ago and moved into a care facility in Jacksonville, Florida. She said she had been visiting with her husband every night and would get him ready for bed. But with the coronavirus pandemic hit, health facilities restricted visitors to prevent the spread of COVID-19 to vulnerable patients. And the facility closed to visitors on March 11th, the last time she saw Steve as a visitor. Mary worried about her husband. So much time alone was not good for an Alzheimer's patient. And she was desperate to find some way to stay connected. And then out of the blue, the care facility's corporate office called Mary and said, we've got a part-time job available if you would like to take it. She didn't even ask what it was. She was willing to do any job that they offered for the chance to get inside And what they ended up giving her was a dishwashing position. She washed dishes. This job is allowing Mary to see her husband regularly, and she's so thankful. It's worth it to be able to visit him, and I can already tell the difference in his demeanor after three visits. I'm so grateful. I just wanted to be with him every day. What Mary Daniel did for her husband because of her love for him in a much more profound way, Jesus Christ has done for you and me. He loved us so much, he moved into our sick and dying world. Not just to be close to us, but to rescue us and take us to his home in heaven. Several Thanksgivings ago, I remembered this vividly. One of my favorite presidents, George W. Bush, made a surprise visit to Iraq While he was there, the president served up turkey dinner to 600 stunned soldiers in a mess hall in Baghdad's airport. Now you see, the soldiers had gathered for what they thought would be a speech by the chief U.S. administrator, Paul Bremer. Bremer told the troops he would read the Thanksgiving proclamation from the president. And then he paused and noted that it was customary for the most senior official present to read the president's proclamation And he turned back toward the stage curtain and he said, is there anybody back there who's more senior than I am? And the president himself emerged from behind a curtain as cheering soldiers climbed up on chairs and tables to yell their approval. It's gotta be lonely for them, the president said. I thought it was important to send that message that we care for them. The unannounced visit not only brought wild cheers from battle-worn soldiers, but it stunned the nation and even surprised the president's parents who thought he was coming for Thanksgiving dinner in Crawford, Texas, and saw him on TV in Iraq. (laughs) I love that story, just for the value of the story. But isn't that a wonderful picture of what happened some 2,000 years ago? The Bible says God had formerly delivered his message time and time again in various ways. That's what Hebrews says. In various ways, God tried to deliver the message of his love for us, and we didn't get it. So in due time, God made a surprise visit to the world, and we call that moment Christmas when the word became flesh and lived among us. If you know Jesus, you know God. That's why Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You get to the Father through the Son. 
One of my favorite stories is about Will Graham, who's preached here in the past. He's Billy Graham's grandson. And one day, I was listening to him preach at a conference where we both were, and he said that whenever he goes any place to preach, when his grandfather was still living, he said a lot of people would come to hear him. But he said, I knew they weren't there to hear me. They were hoping that I could help them meet my grandfather. And he said, one day I found an answer from the Scripture, and here it is. He said, I told them that the way to the Father is not through the grandson, but through the son. (laughs) Very clever. (laughs) The way to the Father for all of us is through the son, through Jesus Christ. If you don't have Christmas, this doesn't mean anything. If you don't have Christmas, you really can't understand God. And if you don't have Christmas, you're still in your sin and you're not forgiven. That's a terrible thought. If Christ had not been born, we couldn't be forgiven of our sin. And the Bible says, she will bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. If Jesus had not come into the world, there would be no such thing as the forgiveness of sins. The law was impossible to forgive sin. When the fullness of his time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. One day, John the Baptist saw Jesus walking across the landscape, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Listen to me, men and women. Without Jesus Christ coming to this earth to be one of us, there is no such thing as being forgiven. Do you remember the first time you ever realized that God had fully and completely and totally forgiven you of all your sin? Do you know the joy and blessing of that guilt being lifted from your life? One of the things that people have told me over the years, if I've had the privilege of leading them to Christ, is, you know, Dr. Jeremiah, when I accepted Jesus Christ, it was like somebody lifted a burden off of my shoulders. That's what forgiveness is all about. And if Jesus had not come to this earth and died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine, we could not be forgiven. If Christ had not come, the course of humanity would be one long downward trudge toward the eternal night of despair. If Christ had not come, we would still be in our sins. Christmas is so vital because without it, this book is gone. Without it, we don't know who God is. Without it, we can't be forgiven. If there isn't any Christmas, we can't get any prayers answered. Amen. Amen. Well, we have one more Christmas message after today, and that's tomorrow. And I hope you'll be with us as we finish up the week together and prepare our hearts for the celebration of our Lord's birthday on Sunday. Let me tell you that um, the movie, Why the Nativity, which we've been working on for three years and was released uh, on Thanksgiving Day, is going to be aired Uh, this weekend on Saturday, Christmas Eve Saturday at 10 a.m. on the Lifetime Network. It's going to be shown again on Sunday at 10 a.m. on the Lifetime Network, both days at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and Pacific Time 
And you can watch that special release of this docudrama this weekend, Saturday morning, Sunday morning. I don't know what your church situation is this week. People are doing all kinds of different things because Christmas is on Sunday. But uh, whatever it is, you can record it. You can find it. If you haven't seen it yet, I hope that you will watch Why the Nativity this weekend um, as we celebrate the Lord's birthday together. And then don't forget, friends, you can still get Moments with God devotional book, the 392 page soft leather cover with devotional readings for every day in the coming year. This is our year-end gift for those of you who will help us in the ingathering of funds for the end of the year's uh, need. And I pray that you will do your best. Give your best gift, and when you do that, ask for your copy of Moments with God, the 2023 beautiful devotional book that we have prepared to help you stay focused on your faith during the new year. Tomorrow we'll finish up what we started today as we ask and answer the question, why there must be Christmas. Until then, this is David Jeremiah. I know these are busy days for you. Christmas is almost here. And may the Christ of Christmas fill you with hope and joy in these next hours. Thank you for listening. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Why the Nativity, please visit our website, There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's 365-day devotional for 2023, Moments with God. It's a powerful tool for daily inspiration in the year ahead perfect as a gift or for your own study, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude the series, Why the Nativity, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. We celebrate Christmas every year, but have you ever wondered why? Why Mary? Why Joseph? Why a newborn king? In the film called Why the Nativity, Dr. David Jeremiah gives you a front row seat as you travel back in time to experience the sights and sounds of this pivotal moment, the birth of Jesus. Make this your new Christmas tradition. Why the Nativity is available to stream for free at whythenativity.org. Watch it today for free at whythenativity.org. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Life is filled with moments, and to help encourage powerful moments with the Lord each and every day, Dr. David Jeremiah has written a new book called Moments with God. This beautiful, year-long devotional makes a wonderful companion to your personal Bible study. When you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more to Turning Point, you'll receive a Moments with God devotional four-pack, one for you and three to share. Donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. 
The New Testament doesn't mention Christmas trees, but it does talk about trees and their fruit. In fact, the Apostle Paul called the character of Christ in a Christian's life the fruit of the Spirit. The late John R. W. Stott, a Christian leader in England, said that a Christian should resemble a fruit tree, not a Christmas tree. His point was that Christmas trees are decorated artificially and temporarily, whereas a fruit tree manifests the life of the tree on an ongoing basis. This Christmas, let's allow the Holy Spirit to decorate our lives with the supernatural fruit of the character of Christ. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover the fruit of God's Spirit on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.